We have movement on the rookie ladder as it pertains to Mark Williams. Do we agree with his positioning? And we'll discuss the reputation of Charlotte in the association. That's all today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. That includes YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can also catch me on WFNZ Sports Radio 92.7 FM from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And read Doug Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, on everyhornetsboxscore.com. I did want to say this real quickly before we jump in, Doug. I, I'm going to have to present to a class tomorrow. Oh, wow. And about, it's going to be for career day. Okay. And and should I should I advise them? <laughs> should, I, should I advise them to get involved in a daily podcast about a team that has not ever appeared in their league's conference finals. Should that, should that be advisable or should that not be advisable? What do you Oh God, no, 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 I would not. Don't, don't choose this. No, you have to be Billy Madison and just grab them by the cheeks and just stay, stay with whatever team other than the Hornets, as long as you can. No, this is no, we listen, we do this uh, because we have no other choice because one day we watched, and I mean this in a good way. We watched the Charlotte Hornets and we fell in love. And when you fall in love with a team, there's there's no going back. There's That's no right. going back. Look, we, we're doing this because uh, something inside of us, deep inside of us, drives us to do that. But I would ne- at this point now, there may come a time in the future after they draft Victor Wembanyama uh, that I do then advise all children, uh, um, men, women, and, and people of all stripes that you should choose to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. But right now, I I can't advise that unless you absolutely feel the calling. You feel the buzz, you hear the buzz, and you follow the buzz. So so if that's the case, right, if Wimby is the key, then I will make sure I teach that in the class tomorrow to a couple of different groups of children. And Victor Wimbenyama coming over to Charlotte would be the key to unlock everybody's fandom, to bring in the casual NBA fan. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Nobody's sure if that's going to happen. But we can believe. We can put positive thoughts out there into the universe. The problem is... The national NBA podcast or not. Doug, one thing I've wanted to talk about. Look, I love Zach Lowe and I love the podcast. I love, you know, I, I listen to the Bill Simmons pod. There's plenty of national NBA pods that I listen to, NBA coverage, whatever. But the Charlotte Hornets have been coming up in just mentions here and there. They're not the topic of conversation, but they're brought up in a sense of, you know, tanking teams towards the bottom. I mean, hell, even Bill Simmons brought it up in passing when he talked about the Phoenix Suns becoming for sale. And he said, well, and you got Charlotte that's going to be for sale. It's like, oh, okay, you know, just a whirlwind, right? And every single time Lowe or Bill or anybody mentions the Charlotte Hornets, they just speak about them in a in a fashion that is like that they have the worst reputation in the league. And so they were talking about Victor Wembanyama. They were talking about the least desirable. It was actually a list. Most to least desirable franchises at the bottom four for Victor Wembanyama. And I think it was on the Low Post podcast, but they had Charlotte number four, both of them. I, I And I forget who the other, I think it was Bill and Zach on a crossover, whatever. But they had, but both of them had the Hornets at number four. 
I, I, before we start to dive in a little bit more, I'll ask you, do you agree with that? When you consider Houston, Detroit, San Antonio, and Charlotte, do you think that the Hornets are the least desirable destination for one Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, anybody being drafted into the league? Uh, not, not if they want to win as soon as possible. I mean, I think of those four teams, Charlotte is best suited uh, to compete faster than any of those other teams that have been Look, I mean, the Hornets haven't exactly uh, leveraged, you know, veteran savvy and veteran talent to make a run yet. I mean, they they still are youth laden, but youth laden in a way where there has been a group of young players that have played together for a long time now, relative you know to to the NBA lifestyle, and and I think they they are most poised to win as soon as possible. So I would say no. I would actually put them as one of the most desirable locations, and I think it speaks to how they're defining that. And I think it seems like they're not defining it in terms of just real basketball terms. They're defining it as, you know, what kind of front office do you want to work with? What kind of ownership do you want to be a part of as a, as a rookie, as a player? And they, they don't look kindly on the ownership style and decision-making of Michael Jordan. And I don't think they look kindly on the front office and the decisions that they've made over the past several years. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I think that's it too. Just when you're talking about least desirable versus just maybe what team you would rather be the GM of. I think there's so much of looking at Houston. You do have a lot of young talent. They're a dumpster fire. I mean, that's something that has been acknowledged by multiple (laughs) reporters. But they're a dumpster fire. And so you have you have guys and analysts that are saying, you know what? It sounds weird. I'd actually choose Houston. I'm actually not surprised because the typical way of thinking here is that you only have young players that are first round picks on the roster. And this goes back to something we've talked about quite a bit. Zero veterans that are going to be a part of the future, either long term or at least within the next two years. And you view that with some kind of flexibility with Charlotte. I understand why you would view their payroll as a detriment to their team. hundred percent. You don't like Terry Rozier's contract. I get it. Gordon Hayward signing for 30 million a year. It's an expiring one, but I get it right at the same time. I think Gordon Hayward with a bunch of young players, at least on the court vocally, he's not the leader, but at least on the court, Gordon Hayward would fit exactly with a young nucleus of players like he'll do whatever you want and he can actually bail you out in some situations with terry okay maybe that's not the best thing in the world but you also have pj washington who you can ask to do a bunch of different things in a minor role if your goal is to have the younger players like Lamelo, like victor scoot whoever jump above everybody else on the hierarchy as far as their star potential i mean the the thing is man you got to have vets I mean, you, you got to have at least some when you're talking about trying to get out of the basement. And I think that's why Houston might be struggling. And we'll see what happens with Detroit, who the Hornets play tonight. But Detroit, man, they do not have a whole bunch of veterans on their squad. No, but I'll tell you what those three organizations do have. And that's institutional memory of what it takes to win a championship or at least two of them do. And then Houston has, you know, routinely been in a conference finals for many years uh, during the James Harden era. So they all have institutional memories of what it takes to get to that level of competition. The Hornets don't. <laughs> and and that That's goes correct. for the entire history of the franchise, not just this little block of, of Michael Jordan ownership. And so 
I think that that plays to their point. I think the other thing you can look at is willingness for a front office slash ownership group to actually spend what it takes to get to that level. And there has just been zero evidence. In fact, there has been evidence to the contrary that this this organization is willing to take the risks that are necessary. They are risk. You are not going to be guaranteed if you spend a bunch of money that it's going to result in a conference final appearance or a finals appearance. But they haven't proven that and they haven't taken those risks And some of those other organizations have done so in the past. And so I think when you view it through that lens, it starts to make a little bit of sense. But from a basketball perspective, pairing him with LaMelo Ball would be the ideal scenario among all of those teams that nobody has a LaMelo Ball on any of those teams. Okay, just flat out. I mean, don't give me Cade Cunningham. I haven't seen enough. You know, get out of here with that. Okay, so that that would be my argument that it's actually and and I would say fan base, too. The fa- there's a, there is I really feel like there is a hidden fan base in Charlotte that wants to love this team. Oh, if yeah. the team will allow that's, them that's to real. be because you, you look at Charlotte FC, right? Look at the look at the fan response to that organization, and and I look at that and I go, man. And then whenever the Hurricanes get going, Charlotte rises up for a team that plays in Raleigh in a special mm-hmm. way. Like this city is ready to support the Hornets if the Hornets will allow them to to support by actually investing in what it takes to win. Yeah, and, and what I don't want to get twisted here is that I have some vendetta and anger towards Lowe or anybody bashing the Hornets and saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Because the thing is, the, the reason I'm so interested in exploring their thoughts about it is because they do know what they're talking about, more so than anyone as far as their connections go, which leads me to your point and something we've talked about off-air a million times. It's that the front office, ownership, the authority, the highest of authority figures within this organization are not highly thought of. And that is the reason as to why no one (laughs) has the Hornets number one in the bottom four. I'm also not naive. Well, San Antonio, one of the best organizations in certainly NBA history the last 20, 30 years. Detroit, you know, ups and downs, certainly on a down right now, but the but the, you know, the, the thought is that they're going to go up with Duran, Kate Cunningham, Jay Ivey looks really good lately. And you're right about Houston, even though it's been rocky for them as well. Charlotte doesn't have any of that. They, they, they do not have franchise success at any level. The most we have is the seven game series against Milwaukee. That that's what we have to hold on to. And that was to get to the conference finals. That's literally the furthest they've gone. So just wanted to show that it's not like I'm naive. Like, I don't get it. Why don't they like the Hornets? No, I I get it. I get the franchise history. I'm just, it's just so much. So where it, you know how we talk about hate is not the opposite of love, but it's indifference. They almost speak about Charlotte. Yeah. There's some philosophical stuff. They almost speak about Charlotte as if like, Oh, well, you know, just get them out of here. Just kind of brush them off. And, it's just it just goes to show how bad it is the reputation. If Victor Wembanyama is the generational talent, is the the next, you know, LeBron level talent to, you know, hit the NBA, okay? If that's truly what he is, it won't matter what organization he's a part of. That's correct. He will change it from the inside out. The organization will adjust, they will hire whoever they need to. They will bring in player-wise whoever they need to to compete if he truly gets them to that level because LeBron did it with the Cavaliers. <laughs> that ca- that Cavaliers organization was a disaster before LeBron ha- came and then all of a sudden everything changes. 
Please bring us Wimby. That's all we got to say. All right, <laughs> We got a couple more segments to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. You're damn right. We got another mock draft. <laughs> We're going to see if we get yeah! Wimby. <laughs> we got another mock draft to see if we indeed can get Victor Wimbenyama. But not before a message from Nissan Aria. This episode is brought to you by Nissan Aria. And Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by that all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria model. Who's that it going to be? About. I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward, Doug. Oh, wow. Yeah, near triple double. Okay. I mean, if we don't have LaMelo Ball, there's not too many other guys that you can bank on getting a triple-double. And Gordon got close with a 9-8 and eight post in rebounds and assists to go along with his 23 points in the last game. We talked about him leading up to All-Star break, post-All-Star break. The guy's been shooting pretty much every single game, 50% or above. And here are a couple – I'm going to ask you, Doug. Here are a couple <laughs> of characteristics to describe the Nissan Aria, and okay. I want you to pick maybe one or two that can be copy and pasted to Gordon Hayward. Electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful. Which one of those are you thinking that could attribute to uh, Gordon Hayward? I'm going to do a little Mad Lib. I'm going to pick a couple words. I'm going to go brilliantly elegant, and I'm particularly Perfect. going yeah. to call out the his signature move, which is that drive into the lane and then the spin fadeaway jump shot. That's brilliantly elegant. That's a that's a fourth quarter shot, tough shot that you have to hit to win playoff series. Now the Hornets are nowhere near that right now, but he does hit that shot, and when he's on, it's brilliantly elegant. I agree. Elegant needed to be a part of that, and so I'm glad you went that. I will, I'll go stunningly powerful, too, because you got to have some power. It's a combination. It's the delivery on duality for Gordon Hayward, a combination of fierceness and elegance. Beautiful, especially with the hair but strong is one Gordon Hayward. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. More to come on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. Now that we have this question, <laughs> I, got, I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, you've been bringing them out. It's it's It gets earlier every year. I don't know if that's a, a, a bad thing for your obsession or a bad thing for the Hornets that we are kind of calling for the mock drafts early and earlier, but you're bringing them out earlier this season. What mock draft do you have for us today? Oh, this one is uh, a classic one from Bleacher Report, Jonathan Wasserman. He's he's always cranking out Big delicious mock, mock drafts for us to consume over and over again. And he has his latest one here from yesterday. I mean, you can't get any fresher than this mock draft and you scroll down to number four, and it's the Charlotte Hornets selecting a guy that we've been talking a lot about, Brandon Miller, mm-hmm. Alabama freshman, small forward. He writes, NBA team's view of Miller has become a topic of conversation after it was alleged by detectives investigating the killing of Jamea Janae Harris that Miller brought now ex-teammate Darius Miles the gun used in the shooting. Miller has not been charged in the case and continues to play for Alabama. 
Each front office will do its own due diligence by investigating and interviewing, making it difficult to assess how Miller's involvement will affect his draft stock. So what do you think about that, Walker? Do you think this – because that's – you know, when we talk about Brandon Miller on the show and, and people comment, uh, that there are a few people who say, look, he's, they're not going to pick him at four. Uh, he's going to fall because of, of, of this situation. I, I, in the end, don't think he falls. I, I don't. I mean, reasonably so, maybe maybe six, but I don't know how much this situation is going to you know, force him to fall in the draft. I mean, one, the guy is still playing right now, so Brandon Miller is not being disciplined by any measure. So if you are also an association or a team in the league that wants the legal process to play out and – Eventually it does, and maybe it even happens before he steps foot on an NBA court because he's not in the league right now. Now, I mean, I guess that would have to speed up the process, but but he's not in any legal trouble, Doug. Like, that's the thing about this. Not Right, right now, he's got his lawyers talking about it for sure. They're releasing statements on the matter because, of course, you're going to have a lawyer in this situation, but he's not in any legal trouble. That is what Nate Oates went to. That is what Alabama went to to defend his playing. And he actually just spoke about the incident yesterday. He said, I never lose sight of the fact that a family has lost one of their loved ones that night. The whole situation is just really heartbreaking. Respectfully, that's all I'm going to be able to say on that. He did break silence, right? So it's not a ton, but at least he acknowledged to some level the severity of it. And in the end, I don't think it's going to hinder his draft stock. I think if a team views him as the fourth best prospect, they're going to take him number four if he's available. I I, I don't think it's going to knock him down all that much. What do you think? I, I don't think so either, but I wouldn't discount him getting into the room face-to-face with an organization and, and that being the determining factor. Because I think on the court, I, I mean, Jonathan Washman writes here, on the court, there are fewer question marks about him, right? I mean, yeah. you see the shooting, you know, you see the talent, you see the size, and you know, or the length at least, and you go, okay, this is the build uh, of a player that can really have a big impact on the court. But, you know, I think a lot of people thought that about LaMelo Ball, and then he got in the room with Golden State, and they were like, uh, they, there was something about the cut of his jib that they didn't like, and he falls to three to the Hornets. Reports, so I wouldn't yeah. discount that. I also would factor in this whole John Moran situation, and how will that affect ge- general managers thinking about these situations where there's not necessarily legal trouble, okay, but there are question marks of character that could affect their availability later on down the line, or at least the the ceiling that they could potentially reach. Even when when you have John Moran, who was on the verge of superstardom. I mean, if he can throw it away, then, then, you know, or or at least attempt to throw it away, then, uh, you know, I think you have to start asking a little bit more serious questions about these type of incidents. So, you know, I think the organizations will look at it, but I'm with you. I think when it ultimately it all shakes out, this is probably, unless some new information comes out, this is probably not going to affect his draft stock. Well, and if you want to talk about just his on-court ability, it's, he, he'd be my third pick, I, as a, at least right now, with have, not having you know, taken a dive too deep into the uh, Thompson twin, Twins and uh, Overtime Elite. But Brandon Miller, watching him play, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, man, the guy's stunning. <laughs> I, the, the ability to shoot, it, it's almost like, you're you're comparing him to Jabari Smith from last year and not the greatest rookie season for Jabari Smith. That's also a a, a bad situation in Houston, as we've talked about, but with more evidence of handle for Brandon Miller too, like that's something that's enticing about him, possibly better playmaking from Brandon Miller. 
Um, so yeah, man, I mean, to, to, to see what he shot over 50% from two over 40% from three, almost 20 points per game, also eight rebounds at six, nine to move with that fluidity. Yeah, man, he, he's impressive. So if it's not Wimby, if it's not scoot, Brandon Miller would be the guy, as far as the skill set goes that I would take number three overall. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that you could see definitely taking over for Gordon Hayward when when Hayward is traded or or that contract runs out. I mean, great lateral quickness, defends multiple positions, is going to have that ability in the NBA. <clears throat> you know, obviously, question marks about strength that'll that'll take care of itself over time. And then I think you you know it seems silly, but I think general managers are obviously going to question you know, how high do you. Uh, take someone that is a little bit older than some of the other prospects. It's it's so weird that we ask these questions like there's a huge difference between a 19 and a 20 year old, but um, that's, that's where we are in, in, in draft land. Um, so look, and, and I think some of the criticisms about Miller's on the court stuff are really about people questioning whether he can become a superstar and it's like, well, well yeah. can we just hold on a second? Let's just see if they have, you know, let's let's just let's just evaluate his game on whether he can play well or not. And and I think anytime you watch him, you go, wow, this guy's got something. I don't know if it's if it's the complete package, but why has that got to be the bar if you're selecting him at four? Well, and I, but I think too, you you have some of that leftover evaluation from Smith from last year from Auburn because the, you you have the height and you have the crazy shooting ability that is going to be a skill you you think immediately translate as soon as he steps onto the court. It didn't really happen with Smith, and he's not really helping you a whole lot anywhere else right now. You know, so and I wonder just how much because it's so fresh because Jabari Smith goes to the league and it's not working out how much Brandon Miller might be a little bit of a victim in the way we think. I don't think it's going to make him any type of um, any type of example as far as, uh, you know, getting drafted lower. Right. But I, I do wonder just the, the thought, the discourse around him, if yeah. we're going to apply what we see from Jabari Smith to Brandon Miller with his on the court play. Did you mention his, I, I, I was looking something up. Did you mention his three point stats that, cause Wasserman has it right here. I just want to blow people's minds really quickly if they yeah. haven't. Well, I just said he shot 40%, but you can talk about volume and all that. Well, yeah, volume. That's the crazy stat. It's 42.4%. Yeah. On 7.2 three-point attempts per game. Like, that's yeah. that's nuts. That's crazy. All right, do you want to hear the other uh, first-round pick that the Hornets have, what Wasserman has them taking? Or who okay, Wasserman yes. Has them taking? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, this is at 28. The Hornets select, according to Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report, Kyle Filipowski from Duke. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to laugh at that. I meant to hit the fanfare. I'm sorry. Not a fan. Yeah, Kyle's been impressive. If you watch that North Carolina game, it didn't matter who they threw on him. They threw they threw size at him and Armando Baycott. Filipowski's too mobile for Armando. Granted, Armando not the greatest defender, especially in space. But then they put Leaky on him. Leaky is an all ACC defender this year. And Kyle Filipowski got the best of him. I, I think maybe they threw Puff Johnson on him. It just didn't matter in this last North Carolina game. You know, I was looking at his stats yesterday because on Wesson Walker, we were discussing ACC player of the year candidates and whether Isaiah Wong was the right fit. It was really tough to pick a guy. But Fiddy, our producer, he chose Filipowski. And, and he's going to be, I think he's the highest draft prospect of any of the ACC players, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think there's anybody that's projected to go higher than what Filipowski is, unless you talk about his Duke teammates, Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively, mm -hmm. who were high prospects coming into this college basketball season. I like his game. The, the shooting, not great at 27% from three, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, but it's there, right? Like I think Kyle Filipowski has that ability in the future to be a good three point shooter. And so he's got enough of a handle to where I think he can, you know, play on the perimeter. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Kyle Filipowski as a second first round pick. I'd be totally cool with that. Yeah. Wolf rough year for the ACC. Like when is the last yeah. time? I mean, it's probably, it's probably going to be like two years ago or something crazy, but it just feels like it's been a while since an ACC player has not been selected in the top 10, but that's virtually guaranteed. In this mock draft, uh, Derek Whitehead is the first player taken from the ACC at number 18 by the Knicks, and then next is Filipowski. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the Duke guys. And, and you know, Duke even had a, a good season for the most part. You know, they had a little bit of a blip in the middle. But for the most part, they had a good year. And yet you would still say two of the three guys were underwhelming as hell, especially Lively being the number one guy coming in. But, yeah, I would like Filipowski as your second pick in the first round. All right, one more segment to go coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We've got the Pistons game tonight. We'll give you a preview of that. And Doug just has some anger about the Pistons. Uh, So back-to-back games, Knicks, Pistons, Doug will vent about another matchup, what seems like the millionth matchup against Detroit. This episode is brought to you by Belt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat, you don't want all the calories, then you got to try a Belt Bar. I know the holidays, they're... Um, just now being over with, right? It's going to be a while before you get to another holiday. And so maybe you want to eat healthy. You got to try Built Bar if you want to do that. Healthy is actually tasty with Built Bar. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in fantastic flavors and they're low in calories. They're low in sugar, but they're high in protein and they're high in fiber. Plus, you don't just have to go to Built.com anymore to get a box of Built Bars. You can go to Walmart. You can walk to the pharmacy section and grab a four bar box. Or you can go to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box if you want to buy in bulk. Again, you can still shop the old-fashioned way. Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, Built.com, and get a box of Built Bars today. More to come, Lockdown Hornets. Yeah, it's it's interesting. As we were just talking about the mock drafts, we'll get to the Detroit Pistons matchup in just a moment. But if you look at the ACC, you were talking about how it was a down year, Doug. And, like, that's been the argument. Jeff Capel got mad at the ACC network for asking questions like, is it a down year in the season? And there have been ACC diehards that have defended it. And, look, it's certainly not as top-heavy. I think you do have quite a bit of teams that are in the middle. But that's an interesting way to look at it. The talented players who are not being selected in the top 10 because you you do view historically the ACC as the most dominant basketball conference, maybe the Big East back in the day too, but the ACC, that's the one. And you have to go really far back to go to the last time in the NBA draft that you did not see an ACC player drafted in the top 10. I know you were doing your research, Doug. Uh, yeah, 2009, nearly 15 years ago. That's how far you have to go back. Uh, Blake Griffin, Oklahoma, Hashim Tabit, UConn, James Harden from Arizona State, Tariq Evans, Memphis, Ricky Rubio, International, Johnny Flynn, Syracuse, which wasn't part of the yep. ACC at the time. Steph Curry probably yeah. should have been in the ACC. They didn't take a chance <laughs> on him. Goes to Davidson. Then Jordan Hill from Arizona, DeMar DeRozan, USC, Brandon Jennings uh, did not play in college. Overseas, yeah. Yeah, and so they, you'd have to go the first ace. Do you remember the first eight, or can you recall the first ACC player taken in the 2009 draft? Well, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Hansbro at like what 13 with the Pacers maybe is that am I missing one in, in that little little section before Hansborough? 
You're missing a very important one. At number oh, no. 12, the Charlotte Bobcats select from Duke. Hendo. Yeah, wow. Gerald Henderson was the wow. first ACC player selected. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There you go. What's funny, right? <laughs> the ACC down year. And then if we use this metric, then we go back to 09. But in 09, that North Carolina team is one of the best college basketball teams of all time. They had Hansborough, Danny Green, Ty Lawson, Ed Davis, and Tyler Zeller were on the bench. Like that team was absolutely bananas. It was crazy. This was an extremely critical draft for the Bobcats, not just because of, of who the Bobcats selected, but because of someone that was also drafted in 2009. I'm, of course, talking about Lord Byron Mullins, who went to the Dallas Mavericks at number 24. Now, he was from Ohio State, but he did have one of the best dunks in Charlotte Hornets history. Byron Mullins, we yeah, will always lots remember of, you. Lots of posters over there. Can you imagine <laughs> if I, it wasn't really going to happen because the Knicks were going to take him if Steph Curry was still available? Can you imagine a world, though, where Steph – just last a little, a little longer. Like it's, it's not even one worth entertaining too much, but allow me to live it just for a second. If Steph Curry lasts a little longer and then Charlotte's like, all right, we'll take Steph Curry. And uh, then we have all of that happen here. This city would explode. We would explode and we'd be filthy rich, but that didn't happen, Doug. <laughs> we took Gerald Henderson. That's what happened. I am and, not uh, filthy rich. Yeah. The no, best player, the best player that they passed up on from that draft uh, was so they they take Hendo at twelve. You go Hansborough, Earl Clark, Austin Day, James Johnson, Drew Holiday at seventeen yeah. to Philadelphia. That'd have been a good one. Ty Lawson, Jeff Teague. You know, not not an extremely deep draft. Darren Collison who would get into trouble later. Taj Gibson at twenty six. Yeah, I mean, not not a not a great you know deep draft. Not a lot of big cuts here. Well, who was our? I mean, we so we had we had Felton still, right? I mean, that would have been your point guard situation. Maybe you still viewed you're you're not wanting to run two point guards, so you're not taking Drew Holiday. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess that was the thinking. Um, so well, it was Gerald Henderson. All right, let's go to the Detroit Pistons preview here, Doug. I know you're mad at the Pistons. I just well, you just you just want to send them out of the universe. Just just talk to me about the Pistons. I'm just frustrated. It feels like we've played these these guys like seven times, you know, and, and you know, there have been overtime losses. Lamelo kept fouling out, and then he gets injured in that game against that last game against the Pistons. It's just like, how much more can you take from us, Pistons? And then they're just embarrassing us in a year in which they are, let me just say, I know everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, nobody's trying to do the big tank for Wimby because Adam Silver sent a letter out to everyone. But what the Pistons have done. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's shameless. Like the the way they've been benching players and playing odd lineups, and you know having a chance to win a game and and throwing uh, throwing it away on an inbounds play that was just like, man. I mean, put that under a microscope. It feels certainly to me like some shameless tanking. Um. Well, one interesting thing, just I, I teased it in the cold open, the NBA rookie ladder rankings according to NBA.com. They have Mark Williams past Jalen Duran now. Mm -hmm. So Jalen Duran is now 12. I believe they only show 12 rookies a part of the ladder. And Mark Williams is number 11 because he has been playing well, even with his worst game probably coming against the Knicks. Just not a great stat line. Still play, playing well overall enough to vault himself to number 11. I mean, Doug, I, I was talking about this and, and the, the Hornets Hivecast just released from Sam Farber. I, I hopped on that pod with him. I, I, I committed pod adultery, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, but Sam Farber and I were talking about Mark Williams possibly being a member of an all-rookie team. Like, like, Is that possible? Is he getting enough love to possibly be a, a second-team all-rookie member? First is locked up. He can't get that. 
but I, I think maybe there's a shot. What what do you make of Mark Williams jumping Jalen Duren in the rankings? I think there's a lot of time left in the yeah. in this season, a lot of games left, and and he's been making some highlight plays. You know, I, the, to me, that's got to be it. You've got to have some of those blocks that he that he has on perimeter players that just jump off the screen. Those because he's he's going to put up the stats. I think that just the raw stats are going to be in his favor. But in order to overcome the fact that he was playing in Greensboro for so long. I think he's got to have some more of those eye-popping performances and eye-popping plays. Doesn't have to do it every game, but you've got to get a little bit of attention from some of these people that are going to be voting. But I think he's certainly capable of doing so if the matchups are there. What do I think of him passing Jalen Duran? I think that it was a little bit inevitable because Duran has been dealing with uh, some ankle issues. Right. And and the the latter mentions, you know, his situation in, in Detroit is tough. Detroit trades for him, but they've got a crowded front court right now that he's having to battle through. I feel bad because Jalen Duran would not have had that crowded of a front court, even even with Mark Williams, if you had selected both of them. Right now, you'd be Mark Williams and Jay, probably Jalen Duran backing him up, and and maybe Nick Richards is sort of a reserve center. That would have been a great situation. They would have it would have taken Jalen Duran more time to get on the floor, just like Mark Williams. But I think it would have been a great situation. Instead, Duran is languishing in Detroit, which is one of my teams that I just want to yeet into yeah. the sun. Like because for so long people were like, oh, Detroit's on the up and up. They're they're coming up, folks. They're going to be in the playoffs, and of course they never would be. And I just I did, look. They they got off my list for a few minutes when they went back to some of the retro jerseys because I love the '90s kitsch that is the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I'm just done with the Pistons. Like I'm tired of playing them. This feels like the seventh time we faced off. And I'm just sick of them, and I'm ready to be done. It, it seems like you're tired of the Pistons. And the Jalen Duren thing, like, look, it's really the injuries to me. I mean, he he's still got a ton of playing time with them. He was playing all, you know, he played 52 games. He's played over 1,300 minutes. And that's be, even after he suffered the injury, and the Detroit Pistons have kept him out. But Jalen Duren still uh, a successful rookie season, as far as I'm concerned. Just looking at the point totals for all the rookies real quickly, Mark Mark Williams has scored the 16th most amount of points in the league this season for first-year players. He's at over 300, 302, actually considerably ahead of Christian Brown in Denver. But that's actually with only 36 games that he's appeared in. Everybody above him has played in at least 52 games. So huge gap. Right. 36, 52, David Roddy, 52, Jalen Duran, and everybody else has played in that many or more with Mark Williams only playing in 36. He's 11th in rebounds compared to every other rookie out there. So he's, you know, made up some lost ground. Right. Like you talk about him entering the rotation later in the season and you have to. I mean, even some of those games that are put in there, you're really talking about like what, 33 because of one minute that he was put in garbage time at the very beginning. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think he's done a good job of making up for lost time. Yeah, for sure. And this rookie ladder mentions that he's the new per 36 darling. So per 36, he scored oh, yeah. almost 17 points per game, 16.9, 13 rebounds with a 63.9 field goal percentage. Now, I would note if you've been watching closely and listening to the show, uh, there's a reason why Mark Williams is not really racking up 36 minutes per game. He will one day. Uh, but it's not now because there are some things that he's still trying to shore up in his game uh, that is preventing him from getting those big minutes. And I'll also note that on this rookie ladder, number four, the, your Western Conference Rookie of the Month and the recipient of one of Doug Branson's draft roses. <laughs> That's none other than Walker Kessler. Um, you, 
you wanted Jalen Duran more though. Like you did. You wanted Jalen Duran more, but we're gonna get your we're gonna get our boy, your boy, Mavs draft on. And he was the one, and I was not big on Walker Kessler either. Wrong about that. But he had him. Remember, he said he was like seven. He had him in, in Yugoslavia. Like he had him, you know, not drafted in some like remote Eastern European country in, in a small farming village. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> Do you remember Walker Kessler? Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's farming goats now out right. in Eastern Europe. That's what Walker Kessler is doing. Uh, by the way, Jalen Williams, though, if we're going to if we're going to dra- we're going to brag about our draft darlings from last year. Jalen Williams is just you insane. He's just. A, yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Thank you. All this Walker Kessler talk, every chance you get, Walker Kessler Rose, yada, yada. I just want to say I love Jalen Williams. And we don't have to uh, remember the fact. Who, who did I get wrong? Like, who, who was somebody that I was just so wrong about? I mean, Kessler for not being in on him. I don't know if there's anybody that I love that is not playing well, though. So we'll see. There's still plenty of time for us to be wrong. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. Make sure you make uh, Game to Game your second listen. Catch that Odyssey, YouTube, again, wherever you get your pods. Game to Game NBAs, where you can catch analysis on every contest throughout the association. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. There's always time to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. 